This is Southeast Asia Crossroads, an educational podcast from the Center for Southeast Asian Studies at Northern Illinois University. In this special Teaching Southeast Asia episode, we hear from Cambodia expert Judy Ledgerwood, and she walks us through how to teach genocide and the Khmer Rouge in your classrooms. If you'd like to follow along with her lesson materials, go to the link in the description or Google NIU Southeast Asia Resources for Instructors and click on the link for teaching about Khmer Rouge and lesson plans and curriculum. Welcome, everyone. Once again, this is another edition of Southeast Asia Crossroads. I'm your host, Eric Jones, and with us is uh, Dr. Judy Ledgerwood. Thanks for joining us, Judy. Yeah, nice to be here. Judy is the director of the Center for Southeast Asian Studies, and we work closely here to uh, at our Title VI National Resource Center to get Southeast Asia content. And as listeners will know from the previous episode, we are we promised this one as a follow up to the uh, true content about the Khmer Rouge genocide. Uh, we're going, Judy and I are going to talk about how to how to teach the Khmer Rouge genocide, and we'll instruct our listeners know that if you. You'll probably get most out of this if you read along. Check the links on um, on the feed here on SoundCloud and on on the, on the Facebook. You'll see we have uh, links to these to um, an, an outline of of the content, movie lists, um, and web resources, first person narratives that exist. And so you can, um, Doctor Ledgewood, Judy will be talking along through these. And so um, if you're interested in teaching it, um, ways to incorporate it, and I might. Also, add we're interested in trying to um, find ways for people who don't. This doesn't imply that you're teaching a course just on Cambodia. We're one of the few people who has that luxury <laughs> of doing those courses, and so uh, it's a it's a for people who are teaching this as maybe one segment, one section of their of a larger course. And which maybe is my first question, Judy. I wanted to ask. Um, take us through how how does the how does the Khmer Rouge period in Cambodia usually get um, incorporated into um, into syllabi, into into teaching, into um, K through twelve and and college teaching? Mm-hmm. So the the purpose of this discussion is really aimed both at uh, the high school level and at the college level or community college level, and these are usually places, as you say, where they don't have the luxury of spending very much time. So. Um, in Illinois, there's a mandate that uh, high schools teach about genocide, and normally that would be the Holocaust and another example. And so uh, Cambodia could be that second example. Or it could be uh, anthropology courses about violence or other courses about genocide, um, modernity, disasters of the 20th century. There's several mm-hmm. different ways that it might fit into uh, course material. But usually uh, they would on- people would only have have a session or two sessions uh, in order to cover it. Maybe a world history course, maybe a, a politics. Um, it might it might come up. Um, we, we, for example, here at NIU, we do a Southeast Asia course at the undergraduate level, um, to, um, Southeast Asia 225, um, Crossroads of the World. And so uh, different faculty members come in and do different sections and um, I do a section on the Khmer Rouge. So every semester I teach one section to an undergraduate class on the Khmer Rouge. Right. So some of the things that you've outlined and you do are actually not, that's that's one 
hour long period that so that the, you know you you've you're you're an expert you have books uh, in fact on the subject but um, what we're talking about here is something that could be talked about in in um, in the kind of condensed form that you that you might need to do right um, so I'm I'm the examples I'm giving um, I'm framing uh, I'm discussing how I usually do it in that one uh, hour hour and fifteen minutes in that course. Yeah, and again, listeners, uh, uh, look along with us on the on the resources provided here, and um, and there's a whole wealth of other resources there on those web pages that that you can look at. Um, so, what's the what's the shoehorn? How do you, how do how does one um, you know zoom into this is the time and the place for Khmer Rouge teaching the genocide? How how do you frame that as a teacher? Well, I don't try to do uh, go through it chronologically and to list out all the players and the dates and, and everyone involved. It's because yeah. you can't, uh, the students can't get their head around that level of detail in such a sort. So instead, I talk about um, a series of themes. And um, we discussed some of that last time, and the outline is there. Uh, this is the document called The Khmer Rouge Period in Cambodia. The Khmer Rouge yeah. Period in Cambodia. So uh, the themes are. Um, so I, I give a little intro with some historical information, and then the themes are uh, instant res- revolution, uh, the importance of rice, uh, variation across, and that's variation both across the, the time of the regime and also variation geographically across regional areas of the regime, uh, the destruction of religion and particularly Buddhism, uh, the phenomenon of living in constant fear, um, health issues, and then this theme of reversals, the idea that in the Khmer Rouge period, the, the whole world was turned upside down, which is um, usually the way that Cambodians themselves talk about it. And uh, many of the, the books on the period have titles or that reference that notion. So, so th- that's, a, that's a common Cambodian understanding of that period as well, is yes. a upside down mm-hmm. um, I've done research on some uh, Buddhist prophetic texts called the Buddha Niyai that um, are important to Cambodians for understanding that time period because they also talk about a time when um, uh, everything is turned upside down. So a broken pot will float and um, oh. the, um, the, cra- um, the fish will go to lay their eggs on the mountaintop. <laughs> so, um, right. Uh, and indeed, Cambodian society, all of the things that made people um, have status within society, whether it was um, royal birth or ordaining as a monk or age or education or wealth, all of those things became dangerous and things that could get you killed uh, during the Khmer Rouge period. So is it, is it fair to say for the... For the those of us non-specialists that for Cambodians, they didn't, this didn't feel like something that was, they, they saw coming or that was a natural progression of sort of, you know, like, like you say, you know, Germany in the world war one, you know, in, in the depression, you, you kind of this, that for it, it came out of nowhere in the minds of a lot of Cambodians, would you, or, or did it not in the, in terms of upside down world or. Well, it was, um, what happened was, um, a, revol- a revolution, a Marxist revolution, and so you could have the people who put on the revolution could have hoped that, in fact, <laughs> the world would be turned upside down. That that the people right. who were low would take Mission control. Yeah. Yes, but um, I think what 
no one anticipated, no one expected was the degree to which it would um, destroy Cambodian society. So it was mm. the most radical form of Marxist revolution. It was the idea that everything that came before would be eradicated and they would start again from nothing, start again from zero. And um, not just political structures, like the family itself. So the complete yeah. evacuation of the cities, um, uh, the... Uh, mass executions of, of people who had been in the previous regime. So the Chinese, for example, sending people down to the countryside um, w- was selective. It wasn't emptying out entire cities and driving everyone out into the countryside. Right. do in order to prepare for uh, this presentation is uh, I assign first-person narratives. So I stand up at the beginning of the class and I say, obviously, I'm not a Cambodian. Um, And uh, the most powerful tellings of this story are the first-person narratives of people who survived the regime. And so um, we put on reserve in the library uh, four or five different uh, first-person narratives. And if people are are following along online, I have a list of web resources and first-person narratives. And uh, some of them have um, short descriptions that are usually taken from uh, the, the book jacket or from short reviews that have been done. Not okay. all of them have, have that, but some do. And um, I've tried over time to keep, to keep lists. I know there are others that are not on this list, but this is a, a pretty good uh, list of, of the different memoirs that are available. So I put four or five of them on reserve, and I tell students, okay, go to the library Take one of these books, open it anywhere, and read two chapters. I'm not saying you have to go and read a 400-page book or a 200-page book, but by doing it that way, students jump into the middle of them telling the story of what it was like in the Khmer Rouge regime, and very often students will come back after the class and say, you know, I went back and I read that stop. whole book. <laughs> yeah, I, I read the whole book. Or I went back after the class in another semester and I read that book. And I guess if you if you uh, thinking of a lesson plan, you can if you have you know a classroom of thirty students all doing that with different books and different points in a narrative, you know, and if you have them talk about what they what they read and the kind of because you know these are these are amazing stories that are that are very memorable in in uh, in every way. Uh, you're going to have. I, again, all of this triangulation that the students might be making. And it goes to those the theme of variations because um, the way that things happened during the Khmer Rouge period didn't happen the same everywhere at the same time. So, But, the, but there's a general uh, storyline there about people being evacuated, uh, people, families being separated, communities being set up, uh, split apart, um, that um, uh, living separately, communal dining sort of all the key social elements of how society worked were systematically taken apart. And that comes across very clearly in those uh, narratives. So I like to use the the older ones. Um, okay. So uh, Samat May's uh, Cambodian Witness. Um, That's the 1986 autobiography of Samat May? Yeah, right. and that one... Um, 
has um, not been republished. A couple of those older ones have been republished. So Hang Ngao's uh, Survival in the Killing Fields was also back in the 80s, but was republished in 2003. Um, uh, uh, to Destroy You is No Loss, which is the story of Tita Mom, co-written with Joan Criddle. Uh, that was 89, but that's also been reprinted. Isn't that, isn't that the slogan? Isn't that a DK slogan? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, to, to keep you is no benefit, to destroy you is no loss. And when, when I've um, uh, done interviews with Cambodians, I've interviewed people who were actually told that, you know, in the, to their face. You know, I, I can tell yeah. you right now, there's no, it, it, there's no loss to, to get rid of you. It's, if you can imagine that, yeah. um, stay uh, stay alive, my uh, stay alive, my son, Pinyate. Um, and then I really like uh, Usam Ur's uh, Crossing Three Wildernesses, which is Coffee House Press, two thousand five. Usam Ur is a is a famous Cambodian poet, um, and so this is him telling his story of of that time period. Um, these are all longer, thicker books. If you want, uh, if people want uh, students to read an one of these books in their entirety, um, then they could choose one of the the more recent ones that are very short. So there are a couple that are by uh, survivors of the Khmer Rouge period, uh, the even survivors of um, the uh, the dual slang torture and execution center. Uh, so Chomay's book, uh, which is just called Survivor, and um, uh, Van Nott's uh, Van Nott's book, A Cambodian Prison Portrait, One Year in the in the Khmer Rouge's S21. Uh, those um, are short little volumes, but are specifically focused on. Um, uh, surviving there. There were only, uh, S21 is the famous torture and execution center, the sort of central prison for the DK, and somewhere in the neighborhood of 14,000 people went in there, and there are 12 documented survivors, including uh, those two individuals. So the, so the, a lot of these books provide um, these narratives that, that offer a jumping off point basically almost anywhere in them um some of the uh how do you find you have on your web sources um holocaust survivor digital archive um dc cam some of the uh, are um are those good resources if for our uh, web savvy students to, to to be sent to to look at or is it do they need to be cur curated by the teacher more if they're going to have about about what to be looking at, yeah, the web resources that are there, um, two of them uh, are created by that I created. One is the the outline for the lecture that I give, um, and the other is uh, recent Cambodian history. So, if you're a high school teacher or you're a college teacher and you don't know anything about this time period, that uh, my little web resource there on recent Cambodian history tells um, about the Khmer Rouge period. It also tells about the PRK period, which followed. And it has, um, this is an alphabet soup, right? So not only is there DK and PRK and, and uh, <laughs> SNC, you know, all these different uh, uh, acronyms. You can click on the acronyms in the text and they take you to a, a glossary. 
and uh, you can click on people's names and it takes you to short biographies. So who was Pol Pot again? Uh, who was Q Sampan? So yeah. it's a... It's so it's a, a little primer on, okay setting the yeah. context and it's you can give it to the students to use or you can just use it to prep yourself to uh, have the background that you need to uh, to dive into this material um, so that's the the uh, short uh, recent history I it used to be two parts it used to be recent history and contemporary society it hasn't been updated since 2002 I just okay. never went back to it and so uh, for these historical periods it's fine except the Bibliography is a bit out of date, uh, but it, um, the contemporary society section I have to redo. The other materials that are there, and this would be for more advanced students, um, so either some kind of honors class or mm-hmm. uh, where you have more time, um, the Documentation Center of Cambodia is a wonderful treasure trove of uh, materials on the regime. The, it, it was set up purposely to be a permanent archive about resources of resources on the on the this time period, and they provided much of the Documentation Center for the Khmer Rouge Tribunal. So um, the specific link that I've put there will take you into their. Uh, stories of survivors, but you can also look at their other publications and their other projects that they do. There's a mapping project of where mass graves are, for example, that um, students can be, you could go and design specific uh, sort of scavenger hunt where you send students into that website to find specific things. So uh, that link goes to the survivor stories, but... So maybe they could they could connect the something like the killing fields which is probably the movie that, that if people know something that's probably something that they might know or have <clears throat> have heard about like this to, to give a more um uh more content specificity to to something like that and then the um the holocaust or digital archive is very small um i i found it uh i found it online but the, it, there are other archives like that. Documentation Center for Cambodia is the largest one, but uh, the Cambodian uh, Museum in Chicago has an archive. Uh, Rutgers has some materials. Uh, there's uh, an archive um, in California, in uh, California, Cal State Sacramento has an archive that people could, if you were close to one of these locations, you could actually send students. So the okay. the uh, museum and Killing Fields Memorial in Chicago has an exhibit about uh, the Khmer Rouge regime that uh, we here at NIU actually collaborated to help design that exhibit based on uh, life history interviews that uh, that were done, 50 life history interviews. And then from those life history interviews, we built out the themes from the interviews to create that exhibit. And then they have a memorial to the people who died in the Khmer. So if you're in this area, you could do a trip to that exhibit. And um, uh, they're working now on a traveling version of that exhibit that would specifically target uh, community colleges in the in the Midwest. So if anybody's listening in this area, uh, you might be able to find out when that, that it would start next fall, fall of 17. Okay. Where would, where could you, could you get a hold of that traveling exhibit and have it come to your school? It, uh, it could be set up in a school library or a school common area. Um, so that's a, another uh, hands-on sort of link that, uh, in, in fact, I can add the museum website 
okay. uh, to this list. And then uh, the other one that's there, the Cambodian Tribunal Monitor, this is uh, the Khmer Rouge Tribunal, finally, <laughs> 40 years after the fact, is trying uh, the few surviving members of the Central Committee of the Communist Party. And Kang Kai Yu, who was the commandant of S21, is, has already been tried and sentenced to life in prison. Uh, and uh, the last two... Uh, surviving members are are still on the docket. So that uh, the tribunal monitor page, which is uh, CambodiaTribunal.org, has all of the records of uh, the tribunal. So you can go, and this is another thing. If you have the time, you can send students in there to find things. They can watch Gangai uh, Yu's uh, testimony. You know, they can mm. watch. Uh, new and cheap. So they there's, can see there's, these there's people. video. There's there's, there's <coughs> text. Yeah. There's and and all translated into English. Uh, so and and uh, they've already been found guilty uh, crimes against humanity. And the the last segment now is a, a, a second trial for gen- on charges of genocide. But the um, uh, so you if you read about some of these people and some of the history, and then. Uh, and hear about them in class, and then you look at them, go and look at them on this tribunal page, and they look like you know old grandfathers. They're they're uh, in their eighties. Doig uh, is in his seventies, and so they look sort of like harmless old grandfathers. But um, in fact, these are the the perpetrators. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's perhaps good to and that that students to see that this is not ancient history you know these are these are still um uh in in the distant historical past these are this is still ongoing the the prosecuting these these things these people are still some of them are still alive um and so like to, to some 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 relevance to the um to the present So these narratives are obviously a good place to hear from the, the victims and perpetrators about uh, what was happening in the Khmer Rouge genocide. Um, there are also some poignant um, narrative examples through film and, and movies, which is on another link that you provided. So if you want to look real long, it's the movie list on the Cam- Cambodia Khmer Rouge genocide. So um, Judy, tell us about some of some of these films and ways that you might like to use them in teaching. Right. So the the first one on the list there, Cambodia, The Prince and the Prophecy, Cambodia, Kampuchea, by James Duran. It's an old film now, so I, I don't know if your library doesn't have it. It might still, I'm not sure if he's still distributing it, but I use it to do the historical setting. <clears throat> if uh, you could do that through um, a certain amount of lecture, but you need a little bit of setup. You need to tell people that, that about the Vietnam War <laughs> and that uh, the bombing of Cambodia and um, that the Khmer Rouge regime was this small, marginal Marxist group in the forest, and and they were brought to power with support from uh, the Vietnamese communists initially and from China and uh, given really empowered by American bombing that many people ran into the forest and joined them as a consequence of 
of uh, U.S. Carpet bombing. bombing yeah. uh, so that one sets the historical. The, some of the other ones uh, do that too, um, uh, provide a bit of historical background. That's another good reason to use them. Um, uh, the, uh, the one on this list that um, I really want to talk about a bit is uh, Ritty Pine's film S21. Uh, S21, the Commander's Killing Machine. I mean, I do I do a whole uh, seminar on anthropology of violence, and I use that film, and I use David Chandler's book of the same name, S21, um, uh, to the, where he goes in depth about that place as uh, uh, an in, a total institution, how it was used to, um, people were tortured and made to con- do these fake confessions and forced to admit these things that are pretty patently absurd like yes they were all cia agents and and then once they finally confess then they're killed and how being named one of the things that you had to do in those confessions was to name other people and then those people would be arrested and then they would be brought in and tortured and it just expanded out until the khmer rouge most of these people were cadre right this is this is the khmer rouge machine consuming itself this vast paranoia that there were enemies within Pol Pot gave a famous speech where he said, you know, there are, uh, there are, uh, there's a disease inside the revolution. We have to cut it out. We have to kill it. And so um, uh, the S21 is the playing out of that uh, internal paranoia and violence. So that movie is, uh, Riti Pang is a, a French-Cambodian filmmaker, and he's made several other films that are on that list. They're all amazing. But S21, what he did was, it's now a museum. So, like, you can visit Auschwitz. You know, you go to S21 to see the mechanism of the regime. Right, this killing. former school that's turned into this torture facility. Right, so the the rooms where people were tortured, the cells where they were held. And uh, what Riti Pine did was he brought back... Uh, a few of the survivors uh, who, who were there as prisoners. And then he went out in the countryside and he found these t- people who had been there as torturers and guards and brought them back. They had been really young. Most of the people who worked there were between 18 and 25 and um, put them together and made them talk to each other. And that's what's captured in this film. It's just astonishing. For the for the for the for the listener, like you, you need to see this film. It's uh, it, it's haunting the mo- that kind of the um, un- level of uncomfortableness that you feel about <laughs> what <laughs> what that must be like. And uh, it's 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 really incredible. I've never seen anything like it. Von Nott, who has since passed away, one of the survivors who was a painter, was kept alive so that he could paint portraits of Pol Pot. Is one of is the key person in this film who really is the conscience of the film. So these young guy, these guys who were young uh, guards, yeah. say, "Well, if I hadn't done this, I would have been killed. I was only acting under orders." Those sort of classic responses, yeah. and he won't let them get away with it. He says, "You know, didn't you see me? Didn't you see that I was a human being?" And that attention, but yeah. I, I don't think I would use it for high school. I would use it for, co- intense, for yeah. college, it, and it's very intense. If you're going to show it, you can't sort of show it and then have the bell ring and everybody goes. <laughs> you know, you've got to you've got to set, set up a separate showing out of class time because it's too long for the hour period, and then leave time yeah, yeah. to have discussion. You have to decompress after that one. You do. You got to. This is something you've got to 
talk about because it, whether you're and in, in the um, the the seminar that I do on violence, I mean, you use it not to talk about Cambodia. You use it to talk about what are human beings capable of doing to one another. Yeah, and I think the uh, um, I've had students. You know, you watch S21, and then they can go to the Documentation Center for Cambodia, and you can easily search through the confessions. They have search engines. You can look and see, like, you know, like if you searched for KGB or CIA or, you know, like the, all of these things that they were making fishermen and others uh, admit to being. Like, you can you can really see the playing out of some of, of what that facility um, was up to and the, the kind of um, the bizarre twisted logic to look for a raison d'etre for what Pol Pot was doing and what the, what the Khmer Rouge were doing um, in, in these fake confessions as a, as a justification of, we have these enemies everywhere. And so you really, um, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around the, what was going on, but in, in their twisted logic, you can kind of see it. Okay. This is what they thought they were doing in Chandler's book, of course. And then on the, and, uh, and then on the uh, tribunal monitor site, you go watch uh, Kai, you talk about it, talk about how he ran the place. Yeah. so if you can you can piece all if you have the if you had a whole right. class so you may you, you might you might even seminar. be able through through around s21 to create like a little satellite of of thinking about um violence or about uh genocide um and there's some really good new material on gankai you himself um um alex hinton's a new book a man or monster has just come out but there's uh three other books about uh, and Ritty Pine has another film about doing his uh, nom de guerre is doing, but so the, if you really had, uh, if you could assign a second book, you could assign one of the books about him as a person. Yeah. Right. Under the philosophy of the cameras that kind of, uh, is part of key to understanding that. Um, how about some of the other films? Um, enemies of the people, uh, is a film uh, made by a, um, a journalist who went up to the border area where the, into the Khmer Rouge, they still live in a semi-independent zone, and did repeated interviews with Nguyen Chia, who's one of the these old surviving members of the Central Committee, and really got to know him really well until he built up a level of trust with him to where he talk, actually talks openly about what it, what it was like under the regime. He sort of does a gotcha and, and then turns around and says, oh, you know, I've I've been saying that I just wanted to interview, but actually I'm a survivor and you were responsible for killing my parents. And that's a, um, also a very powerful film. Um, if, if people want to look at it, if you were doing a class on... Um, Asian Americans touch are working on Cambodian Americans, um, and there are these movies that are a genre sort of cycles of return movies where uh, people go back. Uh, then a really good one is uh, New Year Baby, which is uh, Sochiata Bau, and um, she is a, a young Cambodian American woman who gets her parents to tell her their Khmer Rouge story. And then she goes back with them to the country and films them going back to these different places where they were during the Khmer Rouge period. And so that has both this element to the American side and the uh, Cambodian side. Um, Inside the Poison Tree, uh, Tida Butt Mom 
is uh, another movie like that where Tida and her sisters go back and try to find out what happened to their father. And uh, that shows them going to DC Cam, to the Documentation Center, and trying to do tracing. It shows them going to um, uh, back to where they think their father was killed. picture uh Ritty Pine's 2013 movie uh tells his own story during that time period uh, and he also has a really good book called Elimination where he includes interviews with Doug and his telling his own story during, and sort of goes back and forth between the two which is a really interesting way to frame the book and the missing picture uses um clay figures and uh, it was nominated for an Academy Award. Um, like the stop motion? like Yeah, I don't remember the yeah. exact... The exact... Uh, well, and then there's also the movie The Killing Fields, which if people who are older, if they know anything about... Every time I teach a class... Every time I teach this section in this class, at the end of my lecture, they're pretty, they're stunned. You know, here's this terrible thing that happened in the 20th century in their lifetimes, or maybe not in their lifetimes now. um, (laughs) But but in their parents' (laughs) lifetimes, that they, uh, and I say, how many of you knew that it had, that this happened? And there's, there's, it's always less than half. Sometimes it's only a couple of people in the class even knew it happened. And Got if a third of Cambodia is killed, yeah. well, a, quor- a quarter. This yeah. is the statistics now are probably a quarter okay. of the people. But the, the, um, uh, if they know, many of them know because they saw the movie The Killing Field. So this is the, the um, um, popular movie, the Hollywood movie about the time period. And um, there are some good resources that use that. Like you can get the movie The Killing Fields and then you can um, uh, stop it and just use short segments. Hmm. So some of those scenes right. they reenacted where they have everybody reconstructed, you know, building dams where there's masses of people doing construction, those kinds of scenes. Uh, you can use clips from The Killing Fields in order to show those kinds of scenes. That's an, another, another maybe maybe when you're talking about like the the rice or when you're talking about the variation um, the, the some in your uh, living in constant fear some of your themes in your lecture you could you could reference those would that would, that, would they pair up well I think For either from that or from uh, maybe the missing picture in, in in the New Year baby when she talks about what happens in the Khmer Rouge regime. She doesn't have any footage of it, and she's made this or used um, animation for uh, these some of these scenes, and then the cameras turn into crows and fly. It's um, so the, the she uses the image of crows to to show the cameras cadre. Interesting. So um, hopefully, using these things together. Uh, the outline, the historical background, the uh, first-person narratives, the movies, uh, you can come up with a, a way that will fit in whatever time parameters you have 
um, and amount of reading that you can give your students to do depending on where they're at and what the course is about. So yeah, obviously it seems scalable to, as, as you know, to entire semester courses dedicated to this topic alone to, to even uh, one lecture period. Obviously, we're we're we feel it's important. It's we're part of a, a Southeast Asia Center, and we uh, think this is an important part of its history, of course. Um, so, make make the case for us, though, Judy. Why why it's important to teach this? There's a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of genocide. There's a lot of um, things that uh, others could use. Why why teach the Khmer Rouge genocide? Wow, that's a complicated question. Um... It's a it's a it's an example of mass violence. There were several instances of extreme violence in the 20th century, and uh, this is one. It's in terms of percentage of population who died. Uh, it's uh, it's the most extreme. So somewhere between a fifth and a quarter of the whole population of the country were killed, and it affected every family. Um, the fact that it was uh, trying to uh, take apart all of the different social components so break up families and communities and uh, that's religion very very extreme destroy religion destroy the uh, markets no money you know literally take everything apart into its components and and, um, an absolute um, absolute uh, dictatorship Um, the fact that um, it grew out of uh, direct American involvement in the war is another important reason to learn it. The fact that it took uh, 40 years, for 30 years plus for it to come around to be a tribunal. But in the 1990s, at the end of the Cold War, when people went back and said, we've got to stop some of these, uh, the fallout of the Cold War and damp and put down, uh, you know, so the UN peacekeeping mission in the early 90s was part of that movement, and then the setting up of the tribunal was an outcome of that. Um, raises all sorts of interesting issues about um, what should ha- what should be the consequences, uh, who gets to say uh, mm-hmm. what justice is. Um, the tribunal is a very imperfect instrument. Uh, it was a compromise that came out of uh, 10 years of negotiations between the international community and the Cambodian government about what could be covered and who could be prosecuted. And so that's an interesting component to look at. Um, and then 
um, these crucial issues that we've alluded to when we discussed the books and films about using it to look at larger issues of um, what human beings are capable of doing and how do instances of violence like this come about? Is there something that we can learn from studying these that can prevent uh, future explosions of violence in this way? Um, in terms of it being a Marxist revolution is one way to approach it, but in terms of it being um, at the local level, apparently some of that violence uh, was ordered from the top, but some of that violence was just once you get absolute power, you take revenge on those that you've always been annoyed with. You know, So yeah. what, will, what will human beings do if they're given the power to kill anybody that they want to? Or, or the and, and uh, youth and and child soldiers and the, the kind of the, the 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 what happens when you know to the susceptible age of of of, of this cadre right yeah it's a uh, the Khmer Rouge direct use of child soldiers uh, is another interesting com- and you can do comparisons of that to the use of child soldiers in Africa and other places. Yeah, so there's there's I think there's a lot of compelling reasons to you and it's and it's students um, I've had the experience of teaching it in more long form and then also in very short kind of we only have one section we can um, dedicate it to it and it's I'll say it's one of the more memorable students comment that uh, you know it's I think the fact that they didn't know that it exi- that something like this had happened and, and you know if you think about the the uh, the Holocaust, uh, which is of course a ma- massive tragedy as well, and you don't want to play the comparative atrocities game, but um, they're they're moved by that, and and but just surprised that that these things go on, and they, <laughs> they didn't know about it. Well, and sometimes these people are in their home communities. If you think about the refugees, yeah. so 150,000 Cambodians came to the United States in the aftermath of this, and many of them now live in their communities. So if you could get the traveling exhibit from the Cambodian Museum in Chicago to come uh, yeah. to your town, could you find a Cambodian survivor in your community who would be willing to come and talk? and meet with your students and um or uh if you're doing a class that's on asian americans or a class children are in your classrooms maybe or yes yeah yes and well in fact in that southeast asia class i often have cambodian americans uh, young people who will come up to me afterwards and talk about it and some of them will say that their their parents never told them about what happened their parents can't bring themselves to talk about it yeah yeah well, um, again, we have a lot of resources here. We, the Southeast Asia Center at NIU is uh, is one of the biggest concentrations of people who work on on Cambodia. So I encourage you to look at look at us, look at our other faculty who work on um, these these materials. Our library collection is 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 impressive as well. Um, and look forward to more resources that we're going to put up. And uh, let me extend my appreciation to you, Judy, for your time and your talent in putting stuff together. All right. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Crossroads would like to thank Joe Kinzer for today's music and the GV for production assistance. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.